Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, listen, they want me to say hello. Welcome to the James Well best bits of tonight's show. Wish you can hear every night, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio from 7 till 10. But I said, wouldn't it be best to call it the worst of whale? So have a listen. See what you think. Sean Joyce, who is a Head of Regulatory and Criminal Justice at Stevenson Solicitors. Uh, Sean, good evening. Good evening, James. Um, why would the CPS actually be so persistent in wanting to press charges in this way, particularly against somebody that didn't really have any history of violence and somebody who was so famous? Well, the courts and the CPS have a zero-tolerance policy to all cases of domestic violence. And there are very laudable reasons as to why that policy is uh, in place, mainly to protect victims from further abuse and potentially more serious harm. Um, and it can also protect them from controlling and coercive behaviour at the hands of their abusers. So there's lots of reasons why this policy has been formulated and implemented. However, the consequences can often uh, mm. be unintended. The problem with the law seems to me is that one size most certainly does not fit all. Yeah, I, do, I think that, that that is the problem. Um, because of the um, under-resources of the criminal justice system, this policy is being applied in a blanket fashion. Um, and often you get uh, um, specialist domestic violence courts with specially trained prosecutors, specially trained judges, and they're dealing with one domestic violence case after another in the same day. And it can have the effect of depersonalising some of these cases. Um, and that, that's the problem. But, but, but the, court, the, the CPS just apply, apply a two-stage test uh, contained within the Code for Crown Prosecutors when deciding whether to prosecute. And that's whether there's a reasonable prospect of conviction. Mm. It's a purely evidential test. And whether it's in the, in the public interest. Well, it um, certainly well, isn't in the public interest. And secondly, somebody with such a, a high profile publicly and, uh, you know, have a lot more problems than somebody who is completely anonymous. Surely somebody is intelligent enough there to actually understand that. Or are we just dealing with a bunch of mindless civil servants who aren't allowed to think for themselves? Or am I being too harsh, Sean? Well, often the, the mental health of defendants, unfortunately, isn't the primary concern and other, other issues are prioritised. Well, it damn well ought to be and people should start thinking individually about human beings because we are all different. Now, this is really a, a, a wake-up call for people to start behaving sensibly in the judicial system of this country because I and many, many others are getting fed up with it. I am very annoyed and I'm not, not annoyed with you, Sean, but I am very angry. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you. I think that more resources should be allocated to the criminal justice system to allow more time uh, and uh, more time to be spent looking into the circumstances of each individual case rather than applying a policy in a blanket fashion. I can't really argue with that point of view. 
I mean, she was also being tried by the media. And, you know, she'd almost had her case played out on social media, in the newspapers, on the television, everywhere. And if that had happened to some anonymous person, obviously it wouldn't, um, I think I think that uh, there will be a lot of calls from family and friends uh, to stop it. Now, because yeah, you are well, a public figure and you live you, your life, if you like, in the media, yeah. doesn't mean you are actually tough enough to actually cope with you it. You get a double punishment in, in, in sort of, don't you? Yeah. You get, yeah. Yeah, well, the, the identity of uh, suspects or defendants is often um, publicised in the media, even before the charge was an offence which, in my opinion, is wrong. Um, but you're right, you know, the media get hold of these things. There's often a trial by, by media. Um, and that can affect, obviously, the trial later on. It can, it, can, it can impact on the view that potential jurors might have of the case before they even heard the actual evidence in court. So there are some issues around that, but that really is outside of the ambit of the CPS um, and this particular process that's the wider question yeah, but you see that's what these people always say oh well it's you know this is how we deal with everything and that's how it's mm. going to be <clears throat> and you know domestic violence is a very difficult issue anyway but uh, it, it seems you find somebody who is well known and you think oh well we'll make an example of them without thinking about the ramifications surrounding mm. that particular person i think the cps uh, the, 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 the boss of the CBS, who doesn't want to be interviewed, by the way, uh, ought to consider their position. Well, I'm not sure that Caroline Flack's actually been dealt with any differently to anybody else uh, who finds himself in a similar situation. Uh, it's just I can't think of I... anybody else, actually, in the public eye who's been in a similar situation to this. I no. mean, what, what she first did, OK, seems uh, a very strange thing for someone to do. So surely there should have been some kind of psych psychiatric reports, first of all, before somebody decides whether or not to go ahead with a trial. I'm afraid that level of funding just does not exist. In the oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. So there isn't enough money to treat us human beings properly. Well, in that case, why don't we just scrap the whole lot and dog eat dog? I mean, this is stupid. This is absolutely stupid. So these people are now hiding behind the fact, well, there's not enough money to do it properly. But, you know, we try and get as many people locked away because we've got loads of space in prison. Just lock them away. I'm afraid that this a, a is slide... stupidity. Stupidity. The law is, to say the least, an ass, is it not? Well, there's certainly a drive to efficient to, towards efficiency and achieving efficiencies sometimes, uh, and sometimes that's prioritised over other interests, unfortunately. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Conservative Member of Parliament for North West Leicestershire, Mr. Andrew Bridgen. Say good morning. Good evening. Good, evening. good morning good. and good evening. Uh, good evening, Andrew. Um, David Frost, is he a good guy? Um, I've actually never met him, but colleagues who have uh, were very, very impressed from the beginning. And I must say he's laid out our position uh, quite correctly. Is he not likely to uh, upset some of, the, um, some of those people involved in negotiating with us? Well, we're at the very opening stage of negotiations, so everyone's going to be most strident. And these negotiations will be like all other negotiations, and certainly ones with the EU, where everything will be done at the end. Mm. And what we'll see is a lot of huffing and puffing from both sides. 
until the end. So you, you come in with hang all... Hang on, are you just opening a, a can of beer? No, that's the crackling of the, of the fire. I'm sitting by my hearth in Leicestershire, and what oh, you can hear right. is the crackling of the wood on the fire. Oh. Well, don't let the environmentalists know that you're doing that. Um, but they're my own trees, so... Uh, I, I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew, sometimes you must invite me and Ash for a weekend. Mm -hmm. I think Beautiful, that would be yeah. very nice. Yeah. I mean, North well, you West ring, Leicester. You ring, me, you, you ring me every weekend. I'm with you every yeah. weekend on the, on the no, brandy. No, we want to come and sit by the fire and have a cigar and a whiskey and that. <laughs> brandy will be better. Brandy, yeah. Brandy is for heroes. Yeah, yeah. well, we are. Yeah, man. So, so, yeah, I mean, what, what, do you, what do you expect? All we want from the European Union is the sort of free trade deal we've always talked about, a Canada, super Canada free trade deal, or the same one that Japan mm. has got. And the EU didn't make any of these demands of Japan or South Korea or Canada. They didn't say, you've got to adopt all EU mm. uh, regulations in full. They accepted mutual acceptance of standards, that you can achieve the same standards or higher with different regulations. Do you, do you think that this whole trade negotiation is going to be played out in the media uh, between now and the end of the year? Because if it is, I think that will be a problem. I think it will be. Um, I think there was a criticism of Theresa May's negotiations that they were conducted in private, and then when we found out about them, we didn't like them. Mm -hmm. But I think as long as there's a consistent message from our side, and I think David Frost has pretty much laid it out, we haven't left the European Union uh, to remain under their rules. No, absolutely. And any, any member of parliament, and bear in mind we've only just had an election uh, you know, a few weeks ago, who thinks that we'd be better off having our laws made in Brussels than making them in our own parliament for our own country on our own particular circumstances, they don't really deserve a place in our parliament, do they? No, absolutely. I would agree wholeheartedly. As you know, I'm a born-again Brexiteer. They're well, the worst sort. We're the in the driving seat, though, aren't we, Andrew, when it comes to trade? I mean, we buy a lot more stuff off them, but we don't really make much anymore. Well, we, we, we do make quite a bit. The East Midlands, my, where my constituency is, has got the highest proportion of any UK region with manufacturing, uh, manufacturing mm. industry. However... Uh, with the rest of the world, we have a trade surplus, but with the European Union, is the part of the world where we buy more from them than we sell to them. That does make us the customer. Yeah. And uh, whichever way you look at it, the customer is king. What we need to do, though, is have a, a competitive environment for these trade negotiations. So we need to open up parallel talks with the Americans, mm. the, um, the Australians, New Zealanders, um, and get them to compete for that marketplace. Uh, the, the only thing that worries me uh, is that by using Huawei for the 5G, mm. we may be in any way compromising our position with the United States. To, in, I don't understand why we're... Yeah, I do not understand for the life of me why we're going ahead with that. No, me. I've, I've, uh, I've spoken to the Prime Minister about it and I've uh, mm. supported uh, Ian Duncan Smith and John Redwood in their... Uh, raising their concerns over this. I mean, effectively, we're, we're drifting off the topic, but it does affect our relationship with America, and that's going to affect our ability to deliver this free trade agreement with them, which is in turn going to create the system. If we've got the Americans and we can do a deal with them, we'll get a very good deal out of the European Union as a result. But we've got to look but to China is, as well, haven't we? We've got to look to the well, future. Yes, but the, the Chinese are effectively giving us the kit, uh, our interest-free credit, 
And uh, I think you have to ask yourself, why are they giving us such a good deal on this, on this equipment? And to be honest, if they gave it us for free mm. and we lost access to the Five Eyes uh, security information as a result of that, that would, even for free, that would be a price far too high. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Let's talk to Marley Morris, Associate Director for Immigration, Trade and EU Relations at the Institute for Public Policy Research. They'd be the people to talk to. Marley, good evening. Hi, good evening, James. Um, everybody seems to be getting concerned now about these negotiations. I don't see any reason to get concerned, do you? Um, well, I think, you know, we're at the first stage of the negotiation, so both sides are going to uh, talk big. But I think, yeah, there's going to be scope for compromise as the months go past. But it is worth saying here that you know, the UK and the EU are looking to agree a free trade deal, which will be very different to the current relationship between the UK and the EU. And the time frame is very tight. So that means there's going to have to be a big adaptation by business um, for over the next year in order to get everything in place to, to really deal with a quite big change to how business operates when trading with the EU after December 2020. Give me some kind of idea, because if, it's, uh, if we're doing free trade deals now, why would it need to be changed? Also, a free trade deal of the one that the UK and the EU are seeking to agree will remove all tariffs on goods. So that helps, that definitely helps to smooth free trade, but it's not the only part of free trade. At the moment, as a member of the EU, or indeed in the transition period where the UK is following all EU rules, um, the the situation is that there aren't really any uh, non-tariff barriers between the UK and the EU. So things like uh, paperwork, uh, documentation, different regulatory checks, all those types of things don't exist at the moment. So we have almost frictionless trade between the the UK and the EU. That will stop after this year. And that is a big change for business because they'll have to um, fill out new paperwork, they'll have to uh, follow new different types of rules, there'll be lots more checks, and that will add costs for business. Why? Well, I don't understand why, because if we do free trade now with a nation, why, why would we change it? Why do we have to do all that? It's because of the way the EU operates. So the, the EU um, has, has, has certain rules for member states, for the, for the countries that are part of the EU, and it has certain rules for, it calls third countries, the countries that are outside the EU. Well, maybe so it'll have to think up some different uh, values for countries that used to be in the EU but aren't now. Well, I'm sure the UK would like the EU to do that, but I think the EU is going to follow what it's done in the past, which is its legal order. And so it's quite, got quite a strict legal order, a kind of ecosystem of rules, um, all followed, of course, by the, the all under the, the aegis of the European Court of Justice. So uh, according to how the EU operates, once the UK leaves the EU, once we're no longer a member state, and once indeed we leave the transition period, it will treat us as a, as a third country, and that will mean lots of new checks, it'll mean a big change to how it operates. Obviously, the UK gets the sovereignty it wants, it gets the autonomy, but it means that the trade-off for that is that the EU will apply, will treat us like a third country. Because we'll have different standards. That's why, basically. Well, we don't have different standards. No, but we'll get get our powerful hair dryers back and stuff like that. (laughs) And things like that. And then, you know... 
we're talking standards. Even if we have precisely the same standards, the fact is by not being a member of the EU, by not by not agreeing with the EU formally in a treaty that we will keep to those standards, yeah. the EU won't won't see they recognise those standards in the same way anymore. So it doesn't even matter. Even if we keep to the same standards, if we don't form a, a specific legal agreement to those to keep those standards, right. then it, for, from the EU's perspective, there will be new trade barriers. Yeah, I suppose that has what, to be. <clears throat> what if there is a, a country within the EU who's desperate to carry on with a good trade relationship with the UK? What happens then? Um, well, that, I mean, that, the, the part of being a member of the EU is that you sign up to the uh, the common commercial policy, the common external tariff. And so, um, I mean, as there has been a lot of discussion in the UK. Once if you're a member of the EU, then you don't, you can't have an independent trade policy because you're you're a member of the EU and you follow those rules. So it, there's no real way for um, individual countries of the EU to have separate bilateral trade relationships with the EU. I think on a few areas it might be possible, but generally speaking, the, the, the members of the EU will have to apply those uh, rules, whether it's about customs, whether it's about food safety checks, um, or whether indeed if we don't get a, a free trade deal, it's about tariffs as well. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. I just I love your show, you know. Very informative and funny, so you yeah. know. Rosie, come and sit down. Let me give you a cuddle. Oh, real hair tingler. Beautiful man. Welcome to the James Welsh. Another week. Another Another day. dollar. Would you are you sniffing? No, it was you. Like I didn't I, I don't sniff. <laughs> oh I yeah, stop no, it. It's James. <laughs> So you, come in with hang all... on, are you just opening a, a can of beer? No, that's the crackling of the, of the fire. I'm sitting by my heart. Me and Ash could come and work for you as part-time advisors to give you a little help. <sighs> Have you ever seen fractal broccoli? That's amazing stuff. I've... Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Oh, great Hoover. Get a Henry. They suck up better than I've ever had anything suck up before. Is it no. Cumming or Cummings? Uh, I, I don't know. You say Cumming. Uh, well, there's only one of him, isn't there? Hello, James Whale. This is Dominic Cummings. I want weirdos, freaks and loons like Ash. That was uh, the clips for today. The worst of Whale, or sorry, sorry, the best of James Whale. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed them. Well, I suppose if you didn't enjoy them, you won't be listening, will you? Anyway, I'll be back 7 o'clock until 10, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio. Have a great day. Thank you for listening.